0: Hey folks, welcome to an interview-only episode of the MLF Fast Vision Podcast. Uh, Up this week is Philip Dutra. He is the Toyota Series Western Division Angler of the Year And he's getting ready to move back east and fish as a pro next year on the Tackle Warehouse Pro Circuit. Um, So uh, we uh, checked in. He's had a fantastic year, and uh, he kind of broke some things down. It was, all told, a pretty good interview. He was driving for some of it, and there are a few parts where it drops out. I mostly was able to edit around that. It's certainly listenable, but if there's ever a bit that feels a little disjointed, now you know why. Um it's certainly not, you know, because he's a weird talker or anything. He crushes it. Um, but anyway, that being said, I will go ahead and sell you some stuff. And then we'll throw this right over to uh, Mr. Dutra. Few lures have stood the test of time like the original Rattletrap by Bill Lewis. And now, with the help of Major League Fishing Pro Mark Daniels Jr., we're launching the SB57 and MR6. Go to rattletrap.com to learn more. Up next... Are you in need of a great career opportunity that gives you time to fish and spend time with the family? Neat Companies is looking for you. Neat needs Class A CDL drivers now. Competitive pay, 100% paid health insurance, 401k, tuition reimbursement, and more are just some of the benefits. Call Neat now at 833-463-NEAT to get your career started. 833-463-NEAT. All right. And we are joined now by uh, Philip Dutra, uh, winner of the Toyota Series Western Division A.O.Y. Um, had a really fantastic year, made three top tens, and is headed east to fish the Tac Warehouse Pro Circuit mm-hmm. as a pro next year. Um, I guess, man, uh, congratulations on a fantastic season!
1: Uh, thanks so much, Jody. It's it's been a really fun journey. It's been a fun ride. A lot of exciting moments and really looking forward to uh what's what comes next.
0: Um I guess let's start and talk a little bit about just this year. Um you fished the whole western division for the first time and before that you kind of dropped in here or there. Um why did why was this year the year to do the whole thing and like did you expect it to go this well? Did you have it in your sights that you were going to qualify for the pro circuit win AOI and just it all in the first year or was it kind of a process that sped up
1: yeah um long story short is i've been fishing tournaments for 18 years on the cal delta and um i've been wanting to do this probably for 10 years uh to 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 get to this level and to take it to the next level um but i didn't have everything in order um i used to have i had an old boat until january of 2020 i got a brand new skeeter fully rigged um, and then we just, in a financial, the right financial situation, and then my, I have three kids and a wife who our goal before I did this was to get her to be a full-time stay-at-home mom and wife. Um, so we did that two years ago, and that allowed 2020 to be my first full season that I fished. Um, I only fished two of the MLF year, but I fished uh, another West Coast Pro-Am circuit. That was my first full year. And then this year, uh, last Christmas, my wife and I had a long conversation about uh, trying to qualify for the tour. And, um, I, I just had a really good 2020 in the other circuit and everything I fished and felt really good about it. And, uh, so we decided that we're going to move to Alabama regardless. And that was before the first MLF. And then, uh, it, it, I had a phenomenal year. I fished three pro M, whole pro M circuits on the West and obviously one angler of the year. Um, you know, I, I felt like the MLF, was set up really well for me. Um, although I, I wanted to do it regardless of where it went. Um, but two of them were on my home or the Delta. So that, uh, that helped, um, Havasu, uh, on the other end of the spectrum was the, the, the only event in the entire West coast that I've been intimidated by. Um, I fished at one time when I was 16, 17. So like 17 years ago as a co-angler and I've always, always was intimidated by that lake. So it was kind of cool that, the tour for me to win AOI and, and make the tour is I actually had to go to the one place I hadn't been in 17 years, and that actually I was intimidated by. And, uh, and to make a top 10 there and then you know wrap up AOI, wrap up the tour, uh, it's been an amazing year. And, and I fished a couple other circuits on the West Coast that did really well, one of, one of those pro-ams. And so it's just been a, it's been a phenomenal year. And I think a lot of it is uh, we decided I want to make the tour regardless, but I made six top 10s this year, three in MLF, three in the other circuit. And uh, at four different bodies of water. And and then last year I had three top tens, at three different bodies of water. And it really just gave me the confidence that I felt like I didn't even know I had, like I could go other bodies to other bodies of water that I've never fished. I could fish for spots. I could fish for smallmouth. I could fish deep shallow. And it's just given me a lot of confidence to to be able to do it. So I think all that and, you know, kind of together is what prompted the decision to go, east and then uh, and we we wanted to move east for multiple reasons the bass fishing was one of the big obviously reasons but uh raising our family kind of living in the woods uh just way of life and and such so forth is, is so there's was, there's was a lot of factors there
0: okay that's kind of that's kind of cool that you would have kind of tr- i guess gone east regardless and i guess if you know let's say you hadn't qualified this year which i it seems like from your past success and you know the way that western division works out like you had a pretty good shot to qualify um but if you hadn't you know you still could have you could have fished bass opens and tried to qualify for the elite series you could have fished a couple Toyota series divisions and tried to qualify you know for the uh you know for the pro circuit like back east like you had options um, if you were kind of gonna make that mm-hmm. move regardless you know what I mean
1: yeah. And I, and that was the plan. You know, I really wanted to make it this year because I knew if I moved to Alabama um, and I, you know, I've never fished any of those lakes um, and I believe I could do well, but trying to, you know, be in the top five against, you know, 150 guys who live out there. Born Half and raised of them are locals. There, yeah. <laughs> obviously. It, yeah. And so, you know, but I, but so my plan was go all in this year, make it happen, qualify. And if not, I would have fished I probably would have actually fished a couple of the divisions next year. I would have fished the Bass Opens. I would've fished the MLF, the Toyota series out there. And I may even have came back to fish the Westerns again, probably to give myself the best chance to get on tour to make that top five. So I was fully fully kind of prepared that I didn't want to think about it and I didn't think about it much, but we were kinda of fully prepared if I if it didn't work out that, you know, it would really suck. But I would I would try to make it next year and have to go through all that. So I'm very thankful that it, it happened the way it did, and I'm not even—I don't have to worry about that.
0: That's—that's uh, cool. Um, for—for for this year, you finished second at the Cal Delta in the spring. It, well, I don't know if May is the spring there, but you know, let's say sort of spring in May. Is, yeah. <laughs> uh, you finished fifth in August, uh, and then sixth at Havasu. Did you? Did you have any missed opportunities where it was like, you know, what? This is one that I should have won, could have won, or did you have any times where you, like, made the most of a decision or something and you went from, this is one where I was going to miss the top ten and I got a key bite? Because I feel like you came close to, like, greatness all year long.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. I, you know, I, I can't think of any significant fish losses um, in any three of the events. There were some really cool moments that um, that that kind of got me there um, that were really special to me this year. Um, and then, you know, like on the first Delta event, um, the, the one I took second on, I, uh, you you know, I, I really analyzed data. What's that?
0: Well, you had a huge bag on the final day, too. You had 26.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, almost 27. And I kind of... That was a really spe- that was one of the most special days in tournament fishing because I had saved that area I knew the potential I told my wife uh, if I was in ten pounds uh, from from first place that I would have a shot I, you know I said it the day before the tournament I was nine pounds back from ish Monroe and uh, Logan and I ended up making up all the nine pounds on ish and I made up almost all the nine pounds on uh, on uh, um, my buddy Logan but uh, he got me by one pound but but you know I I, on that event, I, I, I really thought uh, me and one of my good buddies we talk about it all the time and we're usually really close. I think I think uh, and don't quote me, but I'm pretty sure it was that event where I figured if you had um, if you had 60 pounds, you were you had a really good shot at winning that event. Um, and we always say if, if, if you don't win, you're probably guaranteed second. And I think that's the event. Um, I could be wrong here, but I think I had 63 or six or six, I think I had a couple pounds over 60. And we were right. There was only two people that broke 60 that event, and it was me and the other guy. But and so I, you know, I beat my goal going into that tournament that I thought should win the event. Uh, but he just had a phenomenal event, and all hats off to him. But um, you know, uh, that event was cool because I, I, uh, I like I said, that, that third day I had saved some fish that were a little risky, but I knew there were some giants in an area. Um, it was kind of too risky, especially on day one or two, with the two were on the line to fish for them. I really wanted to fish for him, um, and I think I I made it in the tenth spot, and so I, I barely made it in, and I was so excited. I knew there was I had a chance at winning even down nine pounds from Ish and Logan, and uh, I told my wife the day before I said I, I I'm gonna have a shot to win tomorrow. And you don't usually when you're nine pounds back, you really don't have a shot to win, no. um, but that was a special deal, and so, um, you know I'm a local to the Delta. I fished it 200 days a year for, gosh maybe 20. 15 to 20 years um so i I think you know i get a lot of time on the water um it's a special place and uh so that was cool um the second event in august yeah the second event was uh actually there was a a tragic fish loss on that one i actually kind of cool story i i uh (laughs) the year before in mlf in the exact same spot i lost the biggest fish of my life between 13 and 16 and i sucked (laughs) in that event yeah and uh I I, same kind of time of year deal. And I came to the same spot. Uh, it's, it's like a 10 foot spot. It's like a 10 foot by five foot spot. Everything. You got about a 15 minute window in the entire day where the big one pulls up with the tides and everything. And, uh, I actually told my co, I, I asked my co three minutes before I said, what's the biggest fish you ever netted? And he said eight and a half. And I said, Hey, in the next five minutes, you might net one bigger. And no joke, I actually hooked one about nine pounds, about three flips later. And, uh, my rod, I never had this happen in my life. My rod snapped in three pieces fighting the fish. Oh never God. happened. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And so, I, so, you know, I get her, she's 10 feet from the boat. I got like a nine pounder on. She's my, the coat, my coat sitting right there with the net. I'm going, Oh my gosh, this is her. She's all the way out. And, uh, unfortunately the rod blew up. I don't know if I had stepped on it or just caught a thousand fish on that rod. It finally gave in. And, uh, so that, that was one that I don't know if I would have won that event. Um, I, I don't remember all the weights and whatnot, but I did lose a monster um, on that. And then I had also lost like a six pounder earlier that day. So uh, I think I weighed in like 16 and a half with losing a nine and a six. So that that one hurt a little bit, but I don't know if I would have won that event. I'd have to look back at the, the uh, how much I lost by it. I've already forgotten. And then Havasu, uh, Havasu um, I was so blessed to make the top 10. I, I, uh, I didn't lose anything. I was there two weeks prior. I went, uh, I really wanted to make sure I put my work in because I'd never been there in 16 years. And uh, so I went two weeks prior and I, there was a Wild West championship, a team championship going on at the same time. And uh, I think it was like 16.75 after day one, I was leading it. And I had like 18 to 22, three days in a row in practice. Um, And it was, I don't want to say this like pridefully or was really easy what I had hey, when I say easy it was just I had it so dialed and I was shocked myself that I dialed it in right away mm-hmm. um, that was two weeks before the event I was so worried going to the event because that stuff usually doesn't hold when you get that dialed um, especially on a body of water that I don't know at all uh, I, I was just like man I, there's just no way this thing is going to hold up and sure enough it didn't hold up as well but it did it, I did catch a lot of my fist that way um, I did have to make some key adjustments in that tournament the bite really changed. We had some temperature, uh, a, a big temperature drop in those two weeks. Um, but it was a, a cool story on that. I was actually, on day two, I had about 12 pounds. I think I had about 12 pounds. I knew at that point I probably wrapped up AOI from where I was sitting on day one and, the, you know, where the points were. And then on day two, I, uh, I figured I made the top ten. I definitely made the tour. Or, I mean, I'm sorry, not the top ten. I made the tour. I probably won AOI. But I figured I was about a pound short of making the cut. And it was really cool. I, I was driving back in. I never come back in early, um, but I really want to make sure that I made, you know, I didn't have a breakdown and then I missed the tour in AOI. Um, and on the way in, I, it was crazy. I was driving in and a picture of my wife and my three kids popped into my head. And uh, as I was driving in and I was like, man, I can't cheat them out of 10 minutes as much as they sacrifice for me. Um, and all the time I'm gone, I have to give them everything. It, it literally had that conversation in my head when I was driving to the ramp. I pulled over uh to a spot um and i made a couple casts and i caught a three pounder i threw back a pound and a half i made the cut by a pound so if i didn't catch that fish i don't make another top. and i still would have made the two or one aoi but that was really special to me and just kind of that's always my mentality is fish to the end never give up kind of i go 100 percent to the last minute and the one time i almost didn't uh could have cost me in top 10 so um that was pretty special so all in all I, a long-winded answer to your question um Outside of the that, that for the second event where I lost a couple of big ones, I, I, I feel like I made good decisions all year. I, I've been living by something I've been talking about it on a couple of different podcasts here. But I live every tournament by uh, three things: strategy, versatility, execution. Um, it's the way that I prep for my tournaments. It's the way that I strategically fish tournaments. It's just the way that I go into day one, day two. A lot of times I'll completely change my game plan depending on what I need to get into the top ten, and then day three I make changes there, and so. Those three things have kind of uh, been kind of the anchor to my uh, how I prep, I guess, and how I prepare and how I fish is strategy, versatility, and execution. And there's a lot that goes into each three of those subjects, but um, I, I kind of go through that checklist and, I, and uh, that's really propelled me um, to what I was able to do this year in MLF, and then also in the Apex and the Wild West.
0: Cool, cool. I want to go back to a couple points there. One was that 26-pound bag on day three. What was so risky about that spot? Was it a super long run? Was it a really small tide window? Like, uh, Elaborate on that a little bit. Yeah, so uh,
1: I run a lot on the delta. Um, Not necessarily always far, but I generally, the way I fish the delta, it's very specific on timing and tides. A lot of times you have 15 to 20 minute windows where that spot will only be good for that 15 or 20 minutes. Um, And uh, anyway, so... A lot of times, I'll run on. I think on average this year, on everything I fished on the Delta, I don't think I ran less than 85 miles in any any given tournament, even local team tournaments. And I would run up to 130 to 140 miles in a day to hit 40, 50 spots. This was a little bit of a run, and it was uh, it, and it was it was committing to. Um, uh, I was throwing some big baits. I was throwing some giant swim baits, and uh, and I needed everything to be perfect, and I needed to execute, which I did. Um, so it was, it was more committing, um, to a big bait and, and hoping I I felt like I could get three to seven bites, but the risk is if you only get three and you lose one of them, then you come in with two fish. Right. So, um, and I, and I, and I knew I had to go all in all day on this, even though I'm the timing is every spot that I fished that day, I had to be timing, but the I knew that I had to throw a certain big bait all day to, to do it, um, to really get that, that opportunity. And I was fortunate. I, I, got, you know, I think I got six big bites. I landed all of them and uh, you know, had 27, almost 27 pounds. So it, it was a, it was a commitment to, like I said, be, and, and here's the other thing. The other thing is what are you giving up? Um, I, I, again, just, I, I fished the Delta so much. I have water everywhere and I have more consistent ways to catch, you know, 16 to 20, um, that I feel like I could do, but I knew I needed. I, I told my wife the day before. I said I, I need to catch 25 minimum to give myself a shot to win. And I said if I get 27, I think I have a 50% shot of winning. And I caught almost 27, and uh so so knowing that I'm running past maybe 18 to 20 pound bags that would have moved me up. That would have been great bags, but that wouldn't have won it for me. So and I went for the win on that day because I would already made the top 10. So I figured at that point. Uh, you know, I was in good spot for AOI, good spot for, um, tour. So now I can go swing for the fence a little bit.
0: A lot of times when people say that they're going to go swing for the fence, like really, it just feels like they're not trying to catch a good bag. They're like trying to zero or like catch two fish, like in a spectacular fashion. But it sounds like you had a very legit strategy to swing for the fence. And obviously it worked out cause like, you know, you weren't, you, you weren't messing around. I mean, you caught just, you know flat out big ones
1: (laughs) yeah 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 like I said I I wouldn't have went if I only thought I was realistically only going to get two bites and they would have been big like I went because I felt like I had a shot at winning and it was a doable shot at winning um but if it didn't work out you know uh hey worst place I'm intense but I it it wasn't just like hey I'm intense and I know I'm not on a winning fish so I'm just going to go out and throw a big bait and see what happens It, it was definitely more I knew they lived there I knew they, what baits they ate. I knew I had the right weather. I knew I had the right tide. So I knew going there, it wasn't just a complete gamble like, hey, I need to catch a mega bag. Uh, I'm just going to put a big bait in my hand. And it wasn't that. It was I knew they lived there. I knew I had the right tide. I knew I had the right weather. I knew I had, you know, and uh, so it was more calculated than just I'm really far back and I'm just going to go you know, see what happens. Like, I, you know, I, I felt like I could get the chances, and I did. Um, but it was more risky than trying to go catch 18 to 20, doing other techniques in other areas of the delta that I felt like I could catch.
0: Cool, cool. Um, one other thing was, so for Havasu, and we'll talk about this a little bit because it was the most recent thing, but you finished in sixth. Like, you caught good bags, but you also, you weren't really in the hunt to win. Like, those guys doing that offshore cranking deal, like, they were kind of blazing out ahead of everyone um they were. did you did you look for that offshore pattern in practice did you catch any fish offshore or did you really stick to that grass bite and like do you kind of like do you regret it all missing out
1: I don't regret missing it I feel like um in hindsight I would definitely look for it again but there's just not a lot of info uh on Havasu in in September um uh, there's tons of info of Havasu in January. So the little bit of research I was able to find, I, um, that didn't come. And, uh, and, uh, so yeah, so I, 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 looked for everything. I like to fish deep. I like to fish shallow. I like to fish light line. I like to fish, you know, 50, 60 pound braid. Um, in practice, I just never found it. I it just, yeah, I just flat out didn't find it. And I, I had found some fish shallow. So when the tournament came around, I didn't even know some of those guys were catching them. I'm good friends with Roy Hawk and Ty Owl. Um, I talked to them a little bit before the tournament, Um, just more in general, uh, you know, ideas of, hey, how much weight is is good there? Are the smallmouth going to play? Are the largemouth going to play? Are they both going to play? And uh, they're they're more locals down there. And that was really it. And then just kind of knowing the layout of the lake from going two weeks prior, um, again, I tried it all. I just never found it. But I was kind of happy that it was kind of cool in one way that the top, I think, three or four guys uh, were all deep cranking and, I think the guy above me was maybe doing something similar but uh, I felt like I found something kind of special on that lake all by myself that n- nobody else was doing um and that was kind of cool and um so that yeah so I, I was happy with that especially go to the going to the lake that I really had never been to and I was intimidated by I, I was really happy with how I fished there and no real regrets but yeah if I were to go there again you, you're, darn, you're darn right I would pick up a deep crank and like those other guys, and I would definitely look for that bike because it was obviously the runaway pattern um, for the guys that figured that out.
0: Yeah, you're you're right about there not being a lot of info there in the fall. Like, I was very, you know, I was very curious just to see what that tournament was going to have, you know, what what was going to happen there because, you know, by and large, it's kind of, it's, it's, at least from an MLS standpoint, somewhat untapped. Like, it was going to be something new, right. and that was that was really cool, uh, you know, from a fan perspective. But, yeah, from a, you know, from a tournament perspective, like, it must have, it's got to be a little bit, it's a little bit of a bummer when there's something there and you miss the boat. At the same time, you know, you made the top ten, you did everything you wanted to do. Like, it's hard to, you, you I can see why you'd be happy still, you know? <laughs>
1: Yeah. And, and again, especially because there's been, like I'm telling you, there's been something about Havasu because I fished it one time as a coangler 16 years ago. I fished it in January, 16 years old. Um, and I never caught a fish in six days. And so from that point forward, even though that was, you know, that was decades, you know, over a decade ago and whatnot. And, and uh, you know, but I just it's in the back of my mind, I was always intimidated. I never wanted to go back there. I, I love going to Clear Lake, I love going to Shafta. I even love going to Lake Mead. I'm heading to Lake Mead right now for the US Open. Um, But Havasu had that weird, uh, that just, I was intimidated. And so I think it was really special for me to go there on the, the, it was that Havasu, what was in between the tour and AOI and me. And it was the one event on the entire West Coast that I was intimidated by, the only place. And uh, so to go there in the top 10, for me, that was a win.
0: One thing I had a question about was, so how were you fishing? Because you caught smallmouth and largemouth, it looked like, which is, I mean, Havasu is one of those lakes you can do that, but typically you don't do them doing the same thing, you know what I mean?
1: I found these schools of smallmouth um, all through the lake that uh, were really frustrating. They would chase all kinds of different lures that I was throwing uh, in practice, and even on the first day of the tournament, they would chase my you know, whatever I threw to the boat, there's like packs of these three to four pound smallmouths that would just come all the way to the boat. And I could not figure out how to get them to eat. Um, so I, I, had found primarily, primarily the largemouth that I was fishing for the first two days dates. I I knew on day three, I had no water left. Like I had burned my water. I knew it. Um, I didn't have much left. Havasu is not a place that you can go back to, uh, these desert lakes like Mead and Havasu is not, bodies of water that you're just going to go back to and and catch them again on the same stuff maybe some of the stuff towards the launch ramp the deep cranking might have been a little different but um it's just not the way these desert lakes fish so I, i just on day three i said okay well i'm kind of out of what i had um i know where some smallmouth live i'm going to change it up i'm going to start on them first thing in the morning see if i can trigger them and in my first five casts i caught two three pound smallmouth on that third day uh, on the same cast where I had this darn one school that three different times on the same cast would chase me to the boat. So um, so I knew they were there, and I just said, let me just change it up on them, change the time of day, change the lures, and, and it worked out really well to catch uh, two, three-pound smallies. Those were the, actually the only two I caught on the third day, but those were my two biggest fish. I caught two, three-pound smallies in the first five casts and then fished uh, for largemouth pretty much. Well, actually, I fished for smallmouth for a couple more hours after that, but uh, I didn't catch any more, so those those were the two small mouth that caught they were the biggest fish at day 3 um and you know and they they definitely kept me higher in the standings and I uh, was very thankful for those fish that's
0: cool um i guess with moving to with moving back east um how how hard was it for you to like get everything in order to to make that move you know it seems like you're a really put together guy you're like a, i i think you said earlier you're Uh, financial advisors like i would imagine you're probably more adept at being like hey i'm gonna pull up roots and make this move than some fishermen but you know what was what was your process like
1: yeah uh the process definitely started with my wife and i um having the conversation and then a lot of prayer you know our faith is number one in our life so we prayed about it for a long time um and we both had a hundred percent peace about it. We both had been to Alabama. Um, my best friend got married there seven years ago. That was the first time I went. Um, I hear a lot about it. My good buddy, Justin Lucas lives there. I talk to him all the time. Um, and then uh, I went back again two years ago, just to vacation there uh, with my good friend and my wife and, and we fell in love with it uh, seven years ago. Uh, I'd actually told people, I was like, I felt like I left part of my soul in Alabama. And that was way before there was this ever on the table. We, have, we, never, you know, we hadn't even considered moving. It wasn't even a thought. So when the, the way things are going in California, just with everything, um, just everything, and it's not really our values and morals here and, and um, raising a family and whatnot, when the idea came up to potentially qualify for the tour, um, right off the bat, my wife was more than open. She was like, yeah, like I'm very open about that right away. Like from the first conversation I had, I remember I was had a conversation with a buddy, um, and got off the phone and it was just clicked. And I just walked in, uh, my wife was cooking dinner. And I said, babe, what do you think if I tried to qualify for the tour and we moved to Alabama, that was the, how it started. And she was like, I think that's awesome, but let's pray about it. And so we did. A lot, prayed for a long time, and God opened up a lot of doors uh, from many levels uh, of, of, of areas in our life. So that was what made it the easiest. We had that piece, and then uh, and then everything just worked. The numbers worked. Uh, I have a lot of clients in the South, so I got clients in Alabama, Georgia, Florida, Texas, So and, and our whole firm is here. So it, even from a business perspective, having one of us down there worked um, well. And then for raising our family, I always wanted to live in the woods. I want to live in a rural. I wanted to live in a, you know, have some acreage. So that that's kind of a dream come true because I live in the Bay Area where you pay a million dollars for a, you know, three bedroom, two bath house that your neighbor is five feet away from you. So, um, you know, it's just it's you're in track housing. It's congested. It's crazy. It's it's just not the it's not my my preference or my wife. We, we're more outdoors people and whatnot. So. The transition has actually been easy. I mean, the hardest part is obviously, you know, you're, you're, there's some family members who are leaving, some friends. The Delta will be, you know, hard for me to leave. Uh, you're gonna miss. So I, you're action. gonna miss that. I, I know that, like, the
0: bass fishing in the South is not bad, but I suspect, I strongly suspect that you will really enjoy when you get to go back to the Delta, because uh, I'm sure you'll get to
1: every once in a while, and you're gonna treasure those moments. <laughs> correct and the deltas. I mean as bad as it's gotten in the last 10 years from a lot of different reasons the spraying the chemicals the seals and all that it's still I mean it, you know I tell people I truly believe 70 percent of the bass on the delta are gone from uh, 12 from 2008 or 9 I think for every 10 bass there were then there's only three now but with that even being said it's still in my opinion when you look at tournament results when you look at wh- what greater place can you go and catch a 10 pounder in the entire world, I still to this day don't know a lake uh, that I see. You know, ten pounders. How, like, where else am I going to go? Not even Clear Clear Lake's a phenomenal uh, fishery as well. Clear Lake is a phenomenal three to six pound bass factory, and guys catch some tens there, but not nearly the amount of ten plusers you can catch on the Delta. I mean, literally twelve months a year, any cast, flip, uh, pitch, whatever you want to do, you can catch a ten pounder. Even is with the Delta in, in the decline that it's been in. So that I'll probably miss. I mean, you know, going out and being able to catch a 30 to 40 pound bag. I mean, I've had, uh, you know, 45, I've had chances at a 45 pound bag three times in my life. Like where else are you going to get a chance to catch 45 pounds? Um, you know, I I don't know if that's even possible, even in the best lakes and maybe Texas, I guess there may be a few or whatnot, but so yeah, uh, that, that part may be a little hard, but, uh, but I'm also, I love new puzzles. So for me, um, as much as I love the Delta puzzle, it's huge. I love it. I do well. I know it really well. Um, I'm so looking forward to going, figuring out new puzzles. I love even going to Havasu or going to Shasta out here, going to Almanor where all these lakes that I've been to in the last couple of years. So going back East, I'm like, man, this is cool. I, I, I love driving. I love seeing new bodies of water. I love seeing new towns. I love seeing new just geographic, you know, driving and, and all that stuff. So I'm looking forward to, to breaking down puzzles. That's in my head. That's how.
0: I think that breaking down new puzzles will be one of your biggest tasks because from my perspective, coming to the East and figuring out how to fish, you know, all these different bodies of water, which <clears throat> they're, by and large, most of the places you'll fish next year are, uh, one, pretty gigantic, which not that the Delta small, but, you know, like Clear Lake and Havasu are not like huge fisheries compared to... They're
1: very small. Some yeah. of the
0: other places you'll be going to. And then you know, they've got different species, well, not different species, but you've got a lot on your plate next year. Is there anything that like either worries you or kind of excites you uh, about that prospect?
1: Uh, great question. Um, So this is the the answer to the question is, I think this year and especially fishing the Apex, there's a there was an, the inaugural year of the Apex. I won't go too deep into it, but the, um the apex was like an elite group of 30 i think there was like 33 of us um that qualified for it this year and the format for the apex was also different but one of the parts one of the deals in the format was we went to lakes that we had never really fished so um but we went to they're they're not the traditional west coast shasta clear lake havasu delta we went to lake almanor uh, or Amador? Amador, oh my gosh, I'm, I think it's Almanor, and then we went to Comanche, which I won that one, and then we went to the Oracle Afterbay. All three of those, I've been to Comanche like two times in January three years ago. Um, that was it ever, and then I'd never been to uh, the other two, and, and we also went to the Columbia River um, and, and up there in January. So we went to four places. So oh, the reason I bring that up is because I think what's helped my confidence so much in this last two years is. I got off the Delta, and uh, the first event I had last year, so 2020 season, I went to Lake Shasta, which is not a place I really ever fished. I'd been there a couple times, and I topped 10 there, and I felt really good. And then, and then I went to Clear Lake, and I had fished there a few times. Even though I lived close, I'd never really fished many tournaments there. I topped 10 there last year. Then going to the Apex, going to lakes I'd never been to, and there's no practice. So we showed up. You show up the night before the tournament, kind of like the MLF Cups, very similar. No practice. Never been there. Um, like I didn't even know when we were at Columbia that there was largemouth in the John Day River that we were fishing until after day one way, because there was no information, no practice, any of that. So that really helped me grow my confidence in myself that I can do this. I won Comanche. It was a, an amazing victory for me this year. Again, it's a lake that I knew very little about. I won. You know, everybody thinks, oh, Phil's a Delta guy. He loves to throw big line. Um, I love to throw a spinning rod with a six pound test. It, just as much as I love to punch and frog. And I won that event primarily on a Ned rig, a drop shot, a four inch Cinco. And then I did catch five key fish throughout the three days on a, on a, on a topwater bait, a cane Walker. But, um, I just say that because that, that fishing, all of those events, going to Lake Mead, going to Lake Havasu, uh, the Lake Havasu deal, which I already mentioned in, in the intimidation I had there. And then fishing these apex events where you couldn't even practice. Um, and when I fished the apex this year, I told my wife, one of the reasons I'm fishing it. I mean, I was going to fish it regardless, I had a great payout. I love the, the, the structure, the ownership group. I mean, it's all great, but one of the big reasons is I said, I think this is going to help prep me for the tour. Now, granted, these are much smaller lakes that we fished on the apex, but the, what I meant by prep me on the tour is I get zero pre-fish and I have to figure them out on day one on lakes. I don't even know how the lake sets up. Like I, there's no information or any of that. So that helped me. Yes, I'm going to the East and the lakes are 50 times bigger than that. Um, and you only get two days of practice. But that was kind of like a, I don't know, like a trial run, I guess I could say, like a smaller version of that for me and for my own confidence. You know, people can look at it and say, well, it's way different. It may be way different. But it was the fact of going to a body of water, competing at the highest level with zero practice, zero pre-fish, no knowledge, never been there. Um, and you have to figure it out right now and you have to adjust right now. And they had score tracker that, you, that we could all follow or they call it a tourney X which is like score tracker. So then you have that stress level factor of, Oh my gosh, guys are catching them. And I don't even know how this lake sets up, let alone I got to catch them. And so to do well, um, I cast a check on one of them. I won one of them. And then one of them, uh, the first one I didn't, I didn't do great. Um, but that was huge for my confidence. So to answer the long winded question, sorry, but it, it's a long winded answer is I feel like all that has prepped at least my confidence. I'm not saying I'm going to go back there and who knows what I'm going to do. Only time will tell, but, the last 18 months, even though it's only been 18 months, I've fished a ton of tournaments away from home. I have had a very successful 18 months. I have nine top 10 cuts at like six different bodies of water. And I only say that because to answer the question, that helped my confidence of being able to do that, going to Comanche. And, and there were some local guys that even though we didn't have any practice, there was a couple of guys that that's where they had, were born and raised. So to go there and to win on a lake that I have never even really fished, um, and had to figure it out immediately just it it just it it, all this has just been a confidence boost for me to go back there and give me the confidence that hey like i feel like i can do it um i will say the you know the first year is probably that's the year i'm really want to get through i want to get through this first year make sure i re-qualify try to minimize the 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 big lumps and uh try to get my you know my just a feel for these lakes this the, the the you know the fishing the south fishing the north fishing the great lakes all that hopefully that, you know, this first year, if I can, you know, have a semi successful year and get through it. I mean, obviously I want to go and win. I want to do all that. But in reality, I realize it's a huge task at hand. I'm going to be fishing against a high caliber fisherman fishermen that, that this is what they eat, breathe and sleep. So um, the, I guess the only way I could prep myself is just going in with the most confidence. You know, I, um, it was really special for also to win AOI. Like I, I could have qualified in second, third, fourth, fifth, and I nothing would have changed, but Again, for a confidence booster, I felt like I did everything the best I possibly could. Like I finished, I finished first in AOI and that that helped. Like again, for confidence. So I guess that's the answer. Is I just feel like I'm trying to give my put myself in the most. uh, I try to put myself in as many different situations in bass fishing this year and fishing different bodies of water and different looks, finesse. You know, ultra clear water, ultra dirty water. You know, deep, shallow, rock, wood, grass you name it, and just try to perfect all that so that when I get back there, at least I don't feel like I have a disadvantage when it comes to versatility. That's one thing that I really pride myself on is versatility um, and not being a power guy or being a finesse guy or being a dirty water, shallow water, deep. Like I feel like I do it all really well, um, and I'm hoping that that will also help in going back east is, is not being more, you know, single track minded or, or you know, this guy's going to just bank beat the bank. Um, or he's only gonna fish offshore or whatnot. so that's kind of my thought process. we'll see how obviously time will tell how that you know pans out but uh, but I am excited about that and also um, I've been talking to I know you guys had Andrew Loberg on him and I've been talking about it he's really seriously considering doing the tour and we've even talked about potentially kind of teaming up and traveling together and and, uh, and and you know rooming together and whatnot so to be able to also potentially do it with somebody else that's a good fisherman that even though we're both kind of rookies to the, the East coast deal, um, to be able to have another guy that, that, if, you know, depending on how that relationship forms that may be able to help break the lakes down together and, and speed that process up or, you know, kind of help each other. So we'll see where that, where that goes as well. Cool. Cool.
0: One other question kind of on that same line is what's your, what do you think your practice plan is next year? Cause you know, tournament if you're spending 200 days in the water and you have the sort of flexibility that you have you could like go on the road a lot and you know put a lot of time in like pre-practicing places and doing some pre-scouting which has been really successful for some guys or you could kind of just show up for official practice what what do you think you're leaning
1: toward what do you want to do yeah no, no question for me i will definitely go to all the lakes before the cutoff um especially with two days of practice against those kind of hammers, I have to go a month or whatever. I don't know what the cutoff is before, but wherever, wherever whenever the cutoff is, I'll definitely go before. And I'll probably try to spend three days uh, is at least in my head what I'm thinking now. Go, you know, I don't know if it's a month before or whatnot. Go a month before, spend three days more than anything just to get a layout, run the lake. What? How does it set up? What's the watercolor? You know, where's there wood? Is there grass? Is there you know, rock piles, uh, you know, where to launch. I mean, just the simple, the the logistic parts of it, right, of where's the launch ramps? Um, How do you get from point A to point B? Is there a grocery store around? So, you know, all those things, I hate trying to figure that out, you know, when you're already trying to go to the lake and just figure out the the, the bass fishing, and you only get two days, and I've never been to any of these places. So I think the first year or two or maybe three years, I'll probably do a lot of pre-practice in regards to going to the – lakes, you know, driving to Texas a month before and and looking at Sam Rayburn and and then going to Florida or whatever, hopefully in the future, um, you know, once I've been to those lakes, then I can just go there for official practice. And then in the meantime, I'm going to be living on Guntersville. So my goal, we, I, we strategically pick Guntersville because it's really, um, you know, it's darn near the center of everywhere you're going to go. I talked to Justin Lucas all the time about it and how you're really pretty much within a 12 hour drive of almost everywhere you're going to go. There's a few places that might be a little bit longer, um, but also, so not, not only am I going to be on Gunnersville, I plan on spending a lot of when I'm normally fishing the Delta. Now I can go fish the Coosa river. I can go fish Wheeler. I can go fish Wilson. I can go fish, uh, you know, obviously Gunnersville. Um, and so, yeah, I plan on while I'm there living and not fishing those six tournaments, or if I get in a few more tournaments, yeah, I'm just, yeah, picking a lake and, and or picking all those lakes and getting familiar with them so that in the future years, when those events go to those lakes, like oh man, I've already fished that lake twenty times because I live here and it was a forty-five minute drive to go fish, you know, here or there or whatnot. So that's my game plan. Uh, that that I'm definitely pretty. Uh, I feel pretty solid about that. Pre-practice, probably three days, get the feel for the lakes, get an idea, and then fish a lot in and around Gunnersville and around Alabama, Tennessee, the TVA, and, and 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 such forth. I
0: like it. I like it. I think that's a that's probably a good very good strategy to you know. It would if you were going to come back east and you know fish and not put in as much pre practice time as you could and it didn't work out. It would I I bet you'd be kicking yourself at the end of the day.
1: Have regrets absolutely.
0: Yeah. Um, absolutely. Yeah. I, I guess along those lines, are you going to be able to pre practice at all in Pickwick for the Toyota Series Championship, or what's your uh, what's your strategy there? Because
1: it's kind of coming right up. <laughs> yeah, that one I won't. Um, I'm heading to meet right now. I'll be at Mead for um, this is a really crazy five weeks. This is a really crazy five weeks. I'll be at Mead uh, today. I'll pre I'll pre fish there for four days. Tournament three days. I drive back home and then three days later I'm driving to Pickwick. I'm actually driving to Alabama um, a couple days early. I'm gonna spend some time uh, with some friends there and uh, for two days and then going to Pickwick. So and then I'll I'll get the four days um ideally i would much rather pre-fish it like what we were talking about but i'm like hey you know what it's the championship i'm going to win don't get me wrong i'm going to do everything i'm not like skimping it but i'm thinking hey there's at least there's no points attached and i could be wrong but i think one of the events on our schedule next year is at pickwick so i'm really excited that i think i i I think you are you are not wrong you are correct (laughs) yeah so i'm actually really excited that i get to see pickwick uh, and maybe that means I don't have to go pre-practice it a month before if I get to go see it for seven or eight days or what you know however six days whatever it is and just get that feel. Maybe I will still go back because it's a big body of water and there's a lot of lakes connected to it. I'll, I'll probably still go back. But uh, but yeah no, I'm only going to have the four days on this one um, again. And moving forward and when there's points on the line, I would definitely say that I would probably never go to an event. Um, you know, as, well, and, and the other thing is we get four days, which is a little bit nicer than two days. Granted, it is yep. four lakes, um, but, uh, yeah, I won't be able to pre-practice that. And then I actually drive home from Pickwick and to three-day Wild West Pro-Am Championship on the Delta, which will be my last Delta event. So I'm going to drive home from Pickwick and fish the next six straight days on the Delta. So my next four weeks are, you're like, miles, you? absolutely crazy. U.S. I, I am U.S. Open back to uh or then back to pickwick and then back home and then fishing the wild west and then i turn right back around and we move to alabama so i'm literally going to drive to tennessee and then a couple weeks later and then drive back and then a couple weeks later drive all the way back moving our family so uh it's yeah a lot of miles in the next six weeks for sure
0: golly uh, that'll be uh incredible um i guess uh i i think that i'm good for now i really just have I guess one, I want to wish you good luck in all your driving and safe travels in all of it. Uh, good luck, at, especially Thank at you. the uh, U.S. Open. That seems like a super cool tournament. Um, Thank you. And uh, I, before I let you go, is there anything you want to promote or any uh, any place people should follow you, uh, whether you've got some social media or anything like that that uh, you want to wanna make sure people go to?
1: Yeah, man, I appreciate it. Uh, absolutely. Um, they can definitely follow me on um, Facebook, uh, Instagram. Um, I think, uh, uh, that's bad. I'm trying to think. Yeah. My name is uh, on Instagram. is Dutra fishing. Um, they can fish, follow me there. And then definitely want to thank just a couple people. Uh, I always want to thank God. Number one, just, uh, for keeping me safe for the op- doors he's opened and whatnot. And then, uh, my wife and kids and then, uh, toxic baits. They're a swim bait company that hopefully you guys will see a lot more of They're huge. They're already all around the nation, but especially on the West coast, the, the Caesar, uh, the owner, he's me and him have been, really good friends. And, uh, he's been with me, supporting me for 15 years. Uh, you'll probably see me throwing a lot of baits on tour. If, if I'm able to make the camera, you'll probably see those baits come out a lot. Um, and then, uh, Bobby D baits. he makes, he's more of a local guy over here who makes phenomenal, uh, different, you know, spinner baits, jigs, vibrating jigs, all kinds of stuff. And then, uh, I'm actually just, uh, getting ready to, to, uh, start working with St. Croix. So I'm really excited about, um, about that opportunity. And then also my business, Arbor Wealth Management, um, you know, our, our kind of model is we're the outdoors and financial advisor. And so, uh, you know, my business partners really support uh, support me and, and uh, make it all work. So um, that's kind of, uh, sorry if I'm forgetting somebody out there, but uh, yeah, that's I would say that's who I want to say thanks. And yeah, feel free to follow me and love to interact uh, with people. I love to talk. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it
0: all righty well uh thank you so much man and uh congrats again on aoi and we'll see you out in uh tennessee here not too long
1: thank you so much i really appreciate it